Boop, boop. Wow. What was that? That's not very good. That first one was beautiful. I don't think that really uh, showed up either. You can hear the bubbles. That's amazing, dude. Calm down. You're gonna overpour. That's a that's a weird colored beer. The beverage center was crawling with Cornell students because it's commencement weekend. And when that happens, I like to try to let them know that I'm a local so that they don't assume I'm a Cornell student. And how you'd go about doing that while showing your ID? Well, no. I mean, he did ask for it, which they don't usually do, but it was because there were so many students. And I was like, you guys must be busy today. And he's like, yep. And I was like, lots of students, huh? And he was like, yeah, we're pretty swamped. And then I was like, I saw you got some new Graft Ciders in. And he was like, yeah, they're doing some pretty cool stuff. And I was like, yeah, I saw that you had the new Goza that they just released. And I was super excited about it. And when I got there, there was only one can left. Because I bought the other one. Were there only two? I don't know. It looked like there was a full stack when I purchased it. Also, side note, how much, how many Grafts did you get? Like five. How much was that one or do you know no what was the total i don't know why because i bought four three or four of them and then like my total is like twenty dollars i was wondering if i got any kind of industry discount since i had just delivered beer to them like two minutes earlier i think they're no there's no way their cans are like three or four dollars bummer yeah i wondered if you did get a discount but, um, yeah, Alex and I accidentally both went to the beverage center today. It's my bad. I was like, I'm going to go to the beverage center on the way home from work. And he had texted me that he already did, that you already did. I don't know why I'm saying he. Like, I'm talking to the people who are listening. Hey, guys, let's talk about Alex like he's not here. You texted me that you already had, but it was like in with another text and then I immediately texted back about the second text, so I didn't even see it. So then I went and I bought two mixed six packs. But I was super excited because I got three new grafts that I had never had, including this one that I have right here, which is peach mochi. With what else? Is it a city one or is it nomad? This is Book of Nomad. <laughs> Apples, peach, matcha, white tea, lemongrass, and vanilla. Let it tastes like lemongrass. I haven't tried it yet. I like this one. Is it? The, do you say it was a goza? Because imagine putting no. lemongrass in there would make it a sour e. Yeah, it's it, there wasn't lemongrass in the last one I had, the apricot mochi. I don't think this one's very tart, and I really like it. Um, I made tomka soup with my friend once. Tomka or not? It's tomska. It's Tom space ka. Yeah, but I'm referring to a YouTuber. Oh, sure. No, I made Tom Koss soup with my friend once, and it had lemongrass in it. And we were, like, looking up how to pre uh, prepare lemongrass, because it's really finicky, and you have to, like, smash it. And... I always imagined it would be, like, chives. I've never actually seen lemongrass. It's like, uh, it's like if you picture sugar cane. Like, it's hard. So to get the flavor, you have to, like, smash it, and then it gets all, like, pithy and weird, and you have to sift out all of it or else nobody wants to eat lemongrass 
it keeps that fibrous texture, which is gross. It's like chewing on wood, almost. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, that's also what chewing on sugar cane is like. Yeah, but people don't do that. Yeah, I do. Why? To get the sugar. Just a sugar rush? Yeah, when we were in uh, Costa Rica. You did that? No, yeah, like a sugar cane from like a street vendor. Just a sugar cane? It had already been like... They were like, look at these white kids. They'll chew on anything. <laughs> I mean, it had been like, I don't know what you want to call it, like de-husked, decaned. It was just like the the meat, if you want to call it that, on the inside. Mm. Yeah. What are you drinking? I don't even know. All I know is that it's like an interesting brown. It's like a... I don't, it's dark, but it doesn't look like a beer. Rye on rye number six, whiskey barrel aged ale from Boulevard Brewing. Where's that? Mm, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri. That's confusing. Kansas City, Missouri. So when you have Kansas City barbecue? It's Missouri. It's Missouri, not Kansas? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Is there a Kansas City, Kansas? I feel like there's also a Kansas City, Nebraska. But we'll cut it out if it's wrong. So. Or we could just look stupid. What's the percent on that? Like 12, oh, 5, wow. something. That's exciting. Well, you got like half of that, if that. No, one thing I appreciate about Graft, I appreciate a lot about it. I really like them. But something I appreciate as a budding alcoholic, not actually. They're all 6.9%, with the exception of their new Goza. Nice. 16 net. Oh, my gosh. I never realized. You should try this. I'll share. I won't be selfish. You're going to try mine? No. Why not? Because I'm gluten-free. So? I don't want to... I don't have a spittoon to spit it out. You can spit it back into the bottle. That's gross. It's a spittoon. No. Um... So we went to visit your sister this past weekend. Yeah, we went to Manhattan. I posted a story that said Sad Tales has a doctor in the family now because I'm so proud. Um, But while we were there, we also got her onto the Untapped app. Yes. and <laughs> She quickly found out that Untapped is very cruel to you when you... <laughs> want to be adventurous and try a bunch of different beers it's like hey slow down you've had 12 beers in 24 hours untapped is that friend that you're happy that you have but at the same time you're like shut up karen nobody needs to know how many beers i've had today because we had done um we went to the store and bought like some beers just do like a tasting so you had like a six pack so everybody got like two or three ounces from that and then she was also logging um, beers that she had like had a sip of, but untapped is like, you've had 12 beers in 24 hours, but w in reality, it was like maybe less than 12 hours. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, you can still log it as taster. So in untapped's mind, it's, that it knows it's a small quantity. I think this is more lemon than it is peach, but I really like it. So yeah, she got discouraged and... For untapped calling her basically an alcoholic. Yeah, but I think she also thought it was hilarious. But yeah, it was fun for a, a limited amount of time to be in the city. I really don't like the city. So I was ex exhausted at the end of it. I felt like a zombie. It didn't help that we drank like 
all day on Tuesday. Literally. We started at what? 11? Graduation day. 11 till like 11. (laughs) It's very uh, difficult to record when you don't have product in your hair. It just falls into my eyes. Put a headband on. It's not even close to your eyes. If you pull it down like that, then it's in your eyes. If I wear a headband, then when I take it off, my hair is like all swept back and then also like coming forward at the same time. So? And then it's annoying when I go to sleep and I wake up with it even worse. Who are you trying to impress? Me? No? Okay. That's fine. The cat. Hmm. She, uh, she hates us for leaving. No, she's over it. I think she's a little bit needy now. You ready for a story? I'm always ready for a story. Actually, I'm especially ready for their story because we recorded Thursday last week. Yeah. And then we had a very fun but very long weekend. And now it's Friday. So that's a longer time. It's usually Thursday to Thursday. Now it's Thursday to Friday. Plus the weekend made it feel longer. So I feel like we haven't podcasted in forever. Ever. So this whole day, today while I was at work, I'm like, I'm so excited. I just want a podcast. I want to record. It's going to be great. I'm so excited. So yes, I'm very ready for a story. Just wait for it. You'll you'll feel real caught up in about three hours. What do you mean? When we're still editing. Oh. To put this out for you all tomorrow. It'll be fine. I love this. I, ho- I love all of it. So I'm I'm, I'm ready. Also, we maybe make a small batch of coffee. Anyway, tell me. Imagine if you would. Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't know how to do that. 1938. I'll do my best. Mm. Mm. Okay, got it. So got it. Also, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on this. I think 1922 takes place in and around Nebraska or in and around Lincoln. 1922 takes in or around. Takes place in or takes place in or around Lincoln, Nebraska. Alex Carella, 2019. Yeah. Quote. You know, 1922. I killed my wife. Yeah, no, I know. I don't know. So Charles Starkweather was born November 24th, 1938, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the third child out of seven, born to Guy and Helen Starkweather. Ellen. Helen. Helen. I don't like the name Guy. I think it's weird. Oh, I just associate with like French people. I was about to say, it's like, have you ever heard of anyone named Gal? (laughs) It's like, wait, there's a pretty famous Wonder Woman. Have you ever heard any famous guys? Guy Ritchie? Guy Fieri? Hello? Is he famous? Is he famous or is he infamous? Oh, no, he's famous. You don't think you would want to take a picture if you met him? you saw him? i would but it's like yeah there you go also because like the memes and stuff i feel like but that it's would like, you want to take a picture with like i don't know some kind of serial killer no you would want to take a picture with guy fieri anyway continue um so guy and helen they worked as a this could be confusing but i just thought it made sense in my notes um, they worked as a waitress and a carpenter, so we're just going to flip them. Oh, yeah, I mean, I figured that with the ESS, we were probably talking about Ellen. Yeah, I guess. 
But Guy worked on and off as a carpenter just because he had um, arthritis. So when he was not working, his mom would work as, uh, or Helen would work as a waitress to supplement income. And they never did it at the same time. No, from what I saw, it sounded like they just alternated when he wasn't working. She Weird. Would... That's a, not a lot of work for seven kids. I don't know. So, obviously, like you just said, they were a low-income family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never went without food. Um, they always were able to provide. And neighborhood or neighbors said that they were well-behaved kids despite, you know. Their, Seven of them. And their situation of not having a lot of money. Right. Charles was born with a condition called genovarum, also known as bow-leggedness. Oh. Or, yeah. I, ne- I never heard I didn't of know it. you could be born with that. I mean, I guess maybe, yeah. Would it just develop? Wait, Guy? We're still talking about the dad? No, Charles. Oh, sorry. Um, and he also had a speech impediment. Hmm. And as a result, he was bullied in, high- in school. Yeah. Um, so he did average in school, um, but he ex- really excelled in gym where he was, he had like a lot of strength and coordination there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, he had, got a lot of self-esteem from his like strength and his ability to do well in gym. But then that also is like bread competition. So strength, it's like, I can do whatever I want. But then he also fought with people that he disagreed with. Again, because he's bullied, he was fighting a lot. Yeah. At least he could hold his own. Yeah. Um, in ninth grade, after getting into a fight uh, with him, he and Bob Van Bush became friends, like long-lasting <laughs> friends. Wow. Is that how you make friends? Yeah. you when, just When you're a ninth grade boy? You sock him in the face and... Oh my gosh. You, what a punch. You shake it off. Then you just become BFFs. That's how you can become blood brothers. You both are bleeding. You just like wipe your face, shake hands. I do feel like that is more apt for guys. Like, I feel like if girls got into, a, like, a fight, that would that would be it. There's a lot of hair pulling. I feel like that would be, you would never talk to that girl ever Ooh, again. Ooh, yeah. I've seen some real bad girl fights in, in high school. There were a few weaves thrown. Mm-hmm. Nails. Biting. This one girl in my high school bit people. Hard. That was her thing. Hard. You just knew not to get into a fight with her? Well, I mean, she was below me in age. <laughs> not class <laughs> i didn't bite i scratched okay <laughs> bob would be quoted saying he was the kindest person you've ever seen he'd do anything for you if you liked him he was a hell of a lot of fun to be around um everything was just one big joke to him but he had his other side he could be mean as hell and if he saw some poor guy in the street who was bigger than he was better looking or better dressed he'd try to take the poor bastard down to his size whoa wow that's a complex yeah. So, I mean, for Bob, it was good that he was on his good side. Both very, like, idolized James Dean. They saw all his movies. They, Charles stylized himself after him. They slicked back hair and Have all the Have you ever other. seen a James Dean movie? No. Really? I don't think so. Oh. Have you? Yeah. Based on that reaction, I assumed you had. I've only seen one, but it was good. I saw Rebel Without a Cause. It's a good one. Charles looked up or idolized the isolation and rebellion that was expressed in James Dean's films. And he's like, "That's this is me down to a T, despite not being as attractive. There's a Hilary Duff song that mentions James Dean. Also, uh, T. Swift, no? Yeah. Charles believed that his life was very controlled and that he could not escape like the cycle that he was in. 
he like feared he was never gonna be able to get out of this like poverty that he grew up with with as a child gonna move my computer so it's a little more centralized centralized he's also a middle child that's an uphill battle to start wasn't he three out of seven yeah middle to upper child i mean seven you're either three or if you're four you know three or four yeah going back to bob he bob began dating uh barbara fugate and then charles gained interest in uh barbara's sister carol and then the two started dating. That's what you do when you've punched each other and became yep. best friends. You dated the sisters. Um, and the couples often double dated. Carol was about three or four years younger. So she was 13. And this time, um, Charles was 16 or 17. Ew. I mean, is it? Mm-hmm. Why? He's about to turn 18 and she'll be 14. But I don't think those things existed in the, the what? day. What things? Like the statutory... Yeah, but it's still creepy and gross. But also back in the day, people got married at like 16. I don't care. It's so weird. Carol loved all the interest and uh, attention that she got for him. She, that often led her, led her to overlooking his flaws. She idolized that she could get almost like... Or he would give her almost anything that she could want. She wanted to go to movies. He would be able to take her. Wanted this. He could give it to her. How? With what money? Um, Charles began working at a Western Union warehouse. Oh, wow. Where I'm he, just really good at segues. Where he was loading and unloading trucks. Mm. Um, the boss there was never too thrilled with his performance. He was quoted as saying that he was one of the dumbest employees that he had. Oh, he often had to tell him how to what to do, like, multiple oh, times. hand-holding. Yeah. So the Western Union warehouse was near school. Oh, I did not mention that he uh, he left school to start working at this warehouse oh cool yeah so yeah he left school at 16 and began working the western union warehouse mm-hmm. um that warehouse was near school was near carol school and he would then be able to take off work um when she was getting out and hang out with her then um through that he was able to teach her how to drive despite her being only 13 and not <laughs> able to drive yet sure and as a result she got into an accident with okay. another car Charles's father had to pay for the damages because he was part owner in the car, and that caused a, a split between father and son. Yep. Was and, she okay? Uh, yeah, it was. Oh. It was all fine. It was just like a fender bender thing, right. but that also, I think, led to kind of like a animosity between the Charles and Carol. Yeah. Oh, between Charles. Oh, I mean, like Charles, like dating Carol. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. Guy did not like. Yeah. Her anymore, I suppose. Charles then changed jobs to a garbage man, so he's able to spend more time with Carol. It wasn't as structured as the warehouse work, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and pay there was $42 a week, and which is about $400 now. That's that, not bad. It's not bad, but it's not great. That's $10 an hour. Yeah, but he was not able to pay his bills, and oh. as a result, was locked out of his uh, his apartment that he was living in. Wow. Yeah. He wasn't living at home then. No. Yeah, I... Never mentioned when, but I assume when he started working in the warehouse, he got kicked out. Um, so he's like locked out of his apartment, um, not making a lot of money. He began to believe that he would never be able to escape this poverty cycle that he was in, that he was being excluded from all this wealth and happiness that everyone else was able to share in. So on his garbage routes, he's like going all these middle and upper classes home, upper class homes, and he's seeing all this wealth and stuff. And he determined that the only way he could get out of this cycle is either to rob a bank, 
or do something more drastic. Right, right, yep. And that's, um, he also then realized there was one great leveler in the, leveler in the world. Death. Dead people are all on the same level. Yeah, underground. It's a sad tale, I hear. Mm -hmm. So one day, December, no, how many days in November? 30 days, says November. Uh, November 30th, uh, Charles goes to a gas station and he wants to buy a stuffed animal. Did you write on there like three days before December 1st? No, I have the, like... I have the, the following day, December 1st. Oh. <laughs> he goes and wants to buy a stuffed animal for Carol at a gas station because that's romantic. I mean, at that age. Yeah, I mean, maybe back in back then, uh, in the 50s, some stuffed animals are high-quality items at some, gas stations. Some people our age still give stuffed animals. No, I'm just talking about buying a stuffed animal from a gas station. Oh, I see. Depends on the gas station. Um, but he did not have enough money for that, and the attendant wouldn't sell, uh, sell the stuffed animal on credit to him. So he left disgraced in his mind. That's actually really sad. Like, that's such a... Oh, he couldn't buy a stuffed animal for his girlfriend. Like, that gets me. It's really sad. The following day, December 1st. He came back. He came back. Not with money. Around 3 a.m. and bought a pack of cigarettes. But with a gun. He then left and uh, returned a few minutes later and bought a pack of gum. A pack of gun. Pew! No. He then left and returned this time with a, a bandana and a 12-gauge shotgun. There you go. There it is. He demanded money from the attendant, um, Robert Colvert. Um, and then he was able to get some money out of the register, but he, uh, the Robert couldn't open the safe because only the manager knew the yeah. safe combination. And Charles was satisfied by this answer. So then he loaded Robert up into a car and made him drive up to Bloody Mary's house, which apparently was an elder, elderly woman who shot trespassers with rock salt, <laughs> where he then shot him in the head. Oh. In my mind, he's like trying to like stage it. It was like... He Bloody was, Mary did it. Yeah. Don't say that name three times. You'll get shot with rock salt. Yep. Um, so the murderer made news, and pol but police believed it to be the work of a transient. So no suspicion was on Charles at this moment. Uh, Where did he get all his money for cigarettes and gum all of a sudden? I don't know. Cigarettes are probably like 10 cents because they don't ca cause cancer yet. <laughs> Once they cause cancer, they go up in price. Yeah. On January 21st, so a couple weeks later, a couple months couple month later, uh, Charles goes to Carol's house with a twenty two rifle. He claims he was going there to go hunting with her father, and so he could try to fix their relationship. Because both uh, both parents at this point were yeah. not fans of the relationship, yeah. and they were trying to split him up. But he was kicked out of the house and without his gun. He was like, I guess he put the gun down when he walked in, and they kicked him out. Now here's where like stories start to diverge because for most of these crimes there's only two surviving witnesses and both say opposing things. So he comes back, Charles comes back and fights with the couple, um, Carol's parents. Oh. He tries to get his gun, but he says that Mrs. Bartlett, Carol's mother, comes at come, comes at him with a knife, so then he shoots her. Uh, oh, okay. He also then says that Mr. Bartlett came after her, him with a hammer. Oh. So then he shot him also. Okay. 
all the while, Carol's half-sister, two-year-old Betty, is oh, crying. Oh, no. Betty. He strangles her and then <gasps> stabs her. Why? Leave no witnesses? This one can't speak. Yeah, I guess. So Charles says that Carol's there for this entire thing. Like, she's upstairs in a room or something. And she's, like, around and a witness to this. Carol says she comes home and, like, doesn't see her parents. But Charles is there. And he has he holds a gun to her and is like, your family's going to be fine if you just, like, do what I say. Who's to... Who do you believe? I don't know. Carol. Think so? Yeah. Okay. We'll just we'll go with that. Uh, with with those uh I don't know. Those series of events. Yeah. Whether there she was there or not at the time of the killings, um the bodies were hidden um at various points on their property. Um like in I think one was in a barn, somebody was like thrown into like at the outhouse. Where and he cleaned up all the blood? I guess so, yeah. This seems fishy. The uh, the couple stays at the house for about a week. They turn away guests and other people that come calling. Um, they also go out and get groceries and just like live in normal lives, but not let anybody in the house. This is what makes me believe Carol. Carol's grandmother eventually comes by, uh, but Carol turns her away, saying, everyone, saying everyone's really sick. And um, the grandmother comes, becomes suspicious and then calls the police fortuitously for the couple they leave just before the police get there so they're not around when the cops eventually would discover the bodies through all this word got out that carol and and uh, charles were involved in because the police eventually will discover the bodies so word gets out they're like oh yeah carol and charles were up at the house and they kept turning people away so police were become suspicious of them they put a warrant out for both um both people um and obviously they're like we can't like not do anything we have to like lay low because the police are looking for us for now these. i believe this is very confusing yeah it the, seems like it could be either there's only two witnesses and they both say conflicting things because she wants to be innocent and he wants her not to be i don't know um so yeah they realize they have to lay low and charles decides he's gonna go to his friend august mayer's house who is a 72 year old man he just has a 72-year-old friend. Yeah. I don't know if he made friends with him when he was working, like, the garbage route or something. And he's... I don't know. He's Strange. a He He's a 72-year-old friend. That's weird. Um, driving. Mean, 72-year-olds are good friends, too. But, like, what is he, 17 at this point? Yeah. 16, 17. Mm. Driving up to August's house, uh, the couple gets stuck in the mud. They, uh, they just, like, walk the rest of the way to August's house and... Something happens. There's some kind of conflict that goes on between Charles and August, and August ends up dead. Nobody's really knows what happened there. There was just some argument or something that happens. Um, so he kills August. He also kills August's dog, and then hid the body, hid August's body under a blanket in a barn. I hate it when you do this. Kill the dog. You bring these things that just make me very sad. Little Betty, August's dog. No good? No. It's like the horror movies when they kill the dog. Yeah, but you never see it. It's always just like, and that's it. Uh, Have you ever seen my dog Skip? No. Do you know what it is? I'm aware of it. Okay, well, I watched it when I was younger than I am now. I don't remember when I watched it. That could have been yesterday, though. 
Yeah, it was years ago, though. And I had to put my head under a blanket. I was sobbing so hard. And I needed to just, like, calm down. How does putting your head under a blanket help because you? Because it makes you dark and, like, you're not looking at the scene where a dog's getting hit by a shovel. Or you're breathing a bunch of carbon dioxide. Well, that's what you do in planes. Is it planes or just, like, general anxiety? Either way. Oh, it was so bad. So, yeah, they killed August and his dog. Uh, the next day, a neighbor comes by and notices their car, helps them to get out. Um, so they, he, I guess he like pulled him out and towed him up to the August's house. Afterwards, Charles goes by to make sure nothing's up with the body and notices that the blanket's no longer on the body. So he's like, we gotta go because they probably know about a dead body. The neighbor? Yeah. Oh. I guess the neighbor may have uncovered the body and just like left and to go call the police because nobody had cell phones back then. Right. For whatever reason, the couple went the same way they... Tried to leave the same way they came in, so they got stuck in the mud again. <laughs> so they decided to to hoof it from there. That's stupid. That's stupid. So out on the main road or highway, whatever was nearby, they were able to flag down a car that um, Robert Jensen and his girlfriend Carol King were driving. Wait. Who are they? Just random people? Yeah. You, this is the first time we're hearing their names. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the way you said it was like, you know, Robert and another Carol. Yeah. For me, it makes sense in terms of Carol because Charles's Carol is spelled C-A-R-I-L. It is? Yep. That's weird. Um. So, yeah, they get Robert and Carol to pull over. Um, and Charles pulls a gun on the couple and forces them to drive back to August's house and down, get in, gets them to go down to a storm cellar. Why are they going back? They're not the smartest people. I don't know. The dumbest one in the packing plant. Yeah. Robert was shot multiple times in the head. What happened to Bob? He's just like a an entity that exists. He was friends and now he just, he exists just... with, he's dating carol's sister that's uh-huh. what happened to carol's sister she's also just existing with bob how come she never came home for her parents and her baby sister i don't know i'm imagining they're living together married doing whatever but she was only three years older but i'm telling you people get married at like okay weird um evidence also suggests that charles attempted to rape carol king um what so yeah he shot her boyfriend and then when police found eventually find her body her panties were around her ankles and she had been uh uh i think believe she was stabbed i just wrote that he had killed her so either he attempted to rape her and something he just couldn't so he killed her in frustration or something but there was no evidence of semen or anything what about other carol she said she was in the car the entire time. Charles says that Carol killed other Carol because she was prettier and like sexually enticing towards Charles. Oh my gosh. They really are all over the place. They then stole Robert Jensen's car and intended to drive to Washington. But they got stuck in the mud? No, for some reason I got, they got they were fine with the mud, I guess. 
So they tried to drive to Washington because they had warrant, warrants out. But um, I wrote, they are dumb. And they went to go check on Carol's parents' house to see if the bodies had been discovered. Oh. They had been. There were a bunch of cop cars in the driveway. D.C. or state? State. Oh. Just because this is in a Nebraska. Yeah, so the cops are at Carol's parents' house. So they decided to drive their stolen car to a uh, upscale neighborhood of Lincoln, and they just slept in their car on the side of the road. In oh, a... the cops didn't see them. Yeah. They snuck away. They were all investigating dead bodies. Right. On January 28th, Starkweather's, or Charles's car was found stuck in the mud. So then they found August's body and um, Carol, other Carol. And, and Robert. Yeah. And a dead dog. <sighs> Gotta bring that up. Do we? Yeah. Um, so because he had been working as a garbage man, he knew all these like houses and who lived there and, and such. So Charles decided he, uh, when they were going to park and sleep for the night, he decided to park outside of the home of C. Laura Ward, who was a close friend of the governor. C? Yeah. It's like he decided not to use his first name, so oh. he used his middle name and his last name. Laura? Laura. L-A-U-E-R. Laura. It's like Laurel, but spelled wrong. Or Laura, but spelled wrong. Um, we can call him Ward if you want. Uh, he was a close friend to the governor and president of Capital Steel. Sure. Charles was somehow able to just like walk into their house. I guess people just left their doors unlocked back then. Some people still do. But he entered the house and told their maid, Lillian Fensel to uh, lock up the family's dogs. Um, he had to like write it out because the maid was hard of hearing. And she just was like, oh, the garbage man, sure. Yeah, I guess so. But also he probably had her at gunpoint, but oh. he's like, do this. He didn't feel like killing those dogs? No. He just, want, I guess, didn't want the, the barking going on for this high-scale neighborhood because rich people control their dogs or something. I don't know. Also in the house was uh, Clara Ward, so the wife of uh, C. Lore Ward. Charles had Clara fix him some pancakes. What? I don't... This story... Are you sure this is real? There's just been all these weird details. Yep. He then uh, apparently changed his mind and he wanted waffles instead. No, stop it. Um, during the entire thing, according to him, she was very gracious and calm and like not... He didn't, she didn't care that he was waffling around with his order? Yeah. I also thought about that joke. I just couldn't think of a way to integrate it. <laughs> you just gotta wait for me to do it. Because I'm awesome. So he was relishing in this moment because he was once a garbage man, and garbage man. And now he's being waited on by like this wealthy woman who's just like doing whatever he says. I don't says. really understand why she's doing this, but okay. Um, so after he makes Charles pancakes and waffles... She then goes upstairs and uh, says she has to change her shoes. Yep. You got to take off your pancake waffle shoes and put on something else. Yeah, because as a housewife, she's probably wearing like stilettos or something. Next, she has to make bread for uh, lunch and puts on her loafers. Yep. Uh, I just, it didn't even dawn on me. I just went right over. Nobody could see my face of astonishment when I put that great joke and he just moved past it. That was my face. Mm -hmm. Loafers. Thank you. Those are my bread puns for the day. We'll see about that. <laughs> so Charles went up a few minutes later because she hadn't come down to see what was going on. and She's calling the cops. 
He claims she had a gun and fired at him, so he fired back, killing her. Oh. Um. Actually, he had a knife, apparently, according to my notes. Okay. He either way, she sucked it at her. Either way, he claims she had a gun, and it was all in self-defense Got that it. he killed her. Um, he then dragged the body downstairs, and one of the dogs apparently was not out, or in in the closet or whatever. Cecilia or whatever her name was, Lillian. Yeah. God dang it. Lillian Fensel. Lillian, you had one job. So one of the dogs started barking about its owner being dead, and he broke its neck. Fun fact: the dog didn't die from this. Yeah. Please tell me it bit him. No, I don't know what you can do with a broken neck. Um, oh, it didn't come back. Like it wasn't. It didn't get healed. It just suffered and then died. I don't know whether it died. There's a later when some like people discovered all that what happened in the house. They went up. They like found a dog like cowering somewhere with a broken neck. Oh. So let's let's say that it got fixed. Yeah. Um. So after killing killing Clara, he calls his dad. And told him to call Bob. 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 Good old Bob. And tell Bob that he was going to kill him for messing, trying to mess up him and Carol's relationship. What? What did Bob have to do with anything? What? Bob didn't do anything. I don't know. Um, while in the house, Charles also penned a confession letter. Allegedly, the couple then ransacked the house. Carol's like sitting in the study during all this, according to her. I don't really understand her. Um, they ransacked the house and loaded up one of the ward's cars. In my research, it then says that the Lincoln Journal, for some reason, is just outside the house. I don't know how they got wind of anything. But um, Charles makes a note of saying, like, they were big shots, we're stars, we made it on the front page. I don't know how the newspaper found out, but there they are. Eventually, C. Lore would come home and after a short fight Charles would shoot him he then um, tied up Lillian and killed her wrong place wrong time wrong family Charles says Carol did it Carol says Charles did it obviously it's like this similar situation with all these things regardless um, a couple hours later, a business associate of Seelor came by and saw the bodies, and then somehow the word got up to the governor, and the governor called the National Guard, because he's like, my friend is dead, somebody did this, we're going to find him. Yeah. Um, and they got aircrafts out looking for um, Seelor's car that um, Charles and Carol had stolen. Um, again, the couple drove by Carol's parents' house, because they're idiots. Uh, to see if anybody was there, and there was a car in the driveway, so they decided we can't stay here, we're going to Wyoming. Okay. While driving there, they were twice reported to police for suspicious activity, but nothing ever came of that. Eventually, while driving, they meet... Um, this is like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Oh, wait, are those females? No. One a male. Both male and female. Okay, this is like Bonnie and Clyde, except we don't know if Bonnie is actually... She seems like she's got to be in on it, right? She's an impressionable 13-year-old or 14-year-old, so. right? Yeah. This is ridiculous that she's 14 and all this is happening. I don't think Bonnie and Clyde were all that old either. I don't know. I never saw. They would eventually meet Merle Coulson, who was a shoe salesman, um, from what I recall. 
Yeah, I'm keep... Now it's I'm aware of it. <laughs> no, you gonna... said smalesman. <laughs> Wait, Merle. Merle. Like Merle Haggard. Yeah. Like Merle from The Walking Dead. Yeah. Merle had been on the side of the road, like taking a nap. What? Because that's what you do. Like pull oh, off. in a car. Yeah, in a car. Oh, <laughs> on the road. Charles approached Merle's car and said they were going to trade cars. And Merle's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's not a normal thing. Um, and because Merle didn't respond fast enough, he was shot. Oh, my God. Uh, Merle. He was being smart. He was being a safe driver. And that's yep. what he got for it. Charles was still going ahead with his plan of switching cars. Um, so he, But he got in Merle's car and couldn't figure out how to release the e-brake. There, um, he's like trying to struggle with this car, and a young geologist stops behind them and walks up to the walks up to the car, and is like, you, "What's going on? You need some help." There, he was threatened to release the the brake, um, but the geologist noticed there was a dead body in the car, <laughs> and uh, like, "I need to get this gun away from this guy, otherwise, I'm gonna wind up like a dead body." Yeah. So he starts fighting with uh, Charles and a. Uh, Deputy just happens to be driving by and Thank God. comes by and it's like, what's going on here? Carol De- runs dead out. Dead body, dead body. Yep. Carol runs out of the car asking to be taken to the police and he's like, I am a cop. <laughs> you guys are so stupid. <laughs> um, and then she tells the cop that Charles has killed a man. A man. A man. A singular man. Uh, shortly thereafter, a ca- short car chase ensues. Mm. Where's Carol on the side of the road yeah, with the geologist? She'd run out of the car and she's with the deputy now. Well, no, he's chasing. Well, yeah, she like ran out of the car, talked to the deputy, and then he's like sped off because he's like, oh. I'm not getting caught by the police. The police shot out his tires and then he just like stopped the car in like the middle of the road and well, like, he has no tires. So. Gave up the goose. Torn between facing penalties in Wyoming or Nebraska, um, he had the options of. Gas chamber or electric chair. Oh, gas chamber? Wyoming was using the gas chamber. Oh, Lord. Charles decided to go to Nebraska. Okay. Unfortunately for him, the Wyoming governor was an opponent of the death penalty and didn't like it at all. So if he had chose Wyoming, <gasps> he might have been okay. Oh, wow. So he changed stories multiple times saying he uh, had kidnapped Carol, saying she was a willing participant, and back and forth. He was eventually found guilty and sentenced to, to death for uh, Robert Jensen, right? That was his name. Carol's husband? My uh, boyfriend, yeah. Oh, I thought I thought that they were married. No, they were his boyfriend girlfriend. They just happened to come up to August's. Yeah. Well, they were, like, on the road, and he just, like, flagged them down. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, sentenced to death for Robert Jensen's de- uh, murder, and that was the only murder he was tried for. Well, I mean, if you're sentenced to death. Does it matter how many you're tried for? I, I mean, you would want it concluded for everything, but. Yeah. I don't understand. Sometimes they put like 95 different sentences. Like, okay. Like, after a certain point, just be like guilty, and I don't know, that's it. Uh, Charles was executed June 25th, 1959. He declined his the usual uh, steak dinner or steak meal, whatever you'd get, and asked for cold cuts instead. Yeah. He had no last words, and he ended up being buried in the same cemetery as five of his victims. That's some bad juju. Yeah. They probably fight. Maybe, yeah. 
every night. Well, that would I imply that would imply that uh, they're in the same place. Oh, the the religious places. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Sure. So in total, Charles had killed eleven people. Whether Carol's involved or not, who knows? What happened to her? She got life um, imprisonment and was paroled seventeen and a half years later. Okay. She now lives in Michigan. And in 2013, she was in a car accident where her husband was killed. Bummer for him. Yep. Um, their story is the basis for multiple movies, including Natural Born Killers. Didn't I just talk about that one? Yeah, with somebody. I don't remember who it was. The greatest love story. It was the vampire guy. Yeah. Um, and Stephen King was apparently uh, very interested in him and had like a scrapbook on the couple. Or Stephen something. King don't have scrapbooks on murderers. But I'm also now, after saying 1922, I killed my wife, I'm thinking this is kind of the basis for that guy's son, who then runs off with his girlfriend and like does a string of bank robberies and stuff. Oh. Well, if Stephen King was interested in him, it's got to be a yeah. basis, right? And that is uh, Charles Starkweather. And Carol, with an I. Yep. We need to talk about a story that I have. Also, I need a new beer. Okay. Do you like the name Luetta? It's all right. Well, this story is not about someone named Luetta. But Joe and Luetta Long had a child named Bobby Joe. Long. So isn't it kind of about it, Luetta? No, well. That's half that's Luetta. A, that's a, oh, my God, I hate you. Born October 14th, 1953 in Canova, West Virginia. It's a good place, I hear. Bobby Joe Long lived. <laughs> I don't know what happened wow. to that sentence. They lived. End of story. <laughs> he lived. Uh, he was born with an extra X chromosome. Do you remember what an extra X chromosome, XXY, is called? Do you know the name for the syndrome? No. Nope. Do you know any names of any of the chromosomal, like the sex chromosomal disorders? Nope. You can't name a single one? Anyways. XXY is Kleinfelter syndrome. I thought you would know Turner's or Kleinfelter's or... No? Okay. Uh, Kleinfelter syndrome. Just a brief overview. It's XXY. It, so it happens in genetically male, but it turns on more estrogen in their system so they can have weaker muscles they can have breast growth uh small testicles infertility can happen there's not like developmental issues so much but a lot of people with Kleinfelter syndrome can have speech and reading issues so though basically from birth he was on an uphill battle when he hit puberty he did experience breast growth and was severely teased for this, as I'm sure you can imagine. He did get surgery to remove the tissue, but his issues with his own body stayed there, and people remember that. He, Bobby Joe, had a very unhealthy relationship with his mother. I'm not sure really what happened to the father. I didn't find anything... I don't know. He wasn't around. I don't know what happened. He wanted to buy scratchers and never came back. Yeah. I guess he won. Right. I don't know what happened to him. Him and his mom banging. 
No, his mom, I mean, it's not too far from it, but he, uh, he slept in his, uh, in the same bed as his mom till he was a teenager. Only 13. Uh, yeah, that's true. And hated when she had boyfriends. And he claims that he used to watch her with male visitors. Visitors. But she denies this. Well, how would she know? She's getting railed. (laughs) I'm going to vomit. Getting piped. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. So you never, I don't think you mentioned, right? She was then McCall lady. No. Woman of the night. Mm -mm. No. Visitors were just boyfriends then? You guys. Yeah. She had some boyfriends and she just had male suitors. And he says he used to watch it because they shared a bed. So did he not have a room in his own house? I think he technically did, but they were both fine with the fact that he slept there every night. I was going to say the other alternative is like if they share a wall, he had like a peephole Mm -mm. or something. No, he means like in the room. Yeah. Besides having a genetic disorder, which can sometimes lead down a path to negativity, uh, he also had a lot of head injuries as a child. When he was five, he was knocked unconscious when he fell off of a swing, and when he fell off a swing, he skewered his eyelid with a stick, which is disgusting. I started picturing this. I was like, bleh, bleh. Nope. The next year, when he was six, he was thrown off of his bike. He flew into a car and lost teeth and got a severe concussion. Who threw him off the bike? Like, he got in just an accident. <laughs> Why'd you throw a child off a bike? I don't know. And then, the next year, at seven, he fell off a pony onto his head. And also had severe head issues. So, boom, boom, boom. One of the, actually, one of the, not symptoms? I don't know. One of the characteristics of Klinefelter syndrome is also poor coordination, so that might have something to do with it. Fast forward, he's already, you know, had all these injuries when he's, Like, 13 or 14, he meets a girl named Cindy, and they start dating. That's when he stops sleeping with his mom, also. Cindy with a Y or Cindy with an I? Cindy with a Y and an I. C-I-N-D-Y. That's how you spell Cindy. Not like C-Y-N-D-I or C-Y-N-D-Y or C-I-N-D-I. C-I-N-D-Y. And C-I-N-D was her name. Hey, da 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 do I forgot what the lyrics were. Roll McDonald? That's how I saw That's bingo. Oh. We both really failed there. I just don't think of bingo as a song. It's a game. Old McDonald had a farm. da 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 Wait, what's a game? Bingo? Yeah. That's a game? Bingo is a game, yes. Oh, oh that you kind forgot of... forgot what bingo that, is? That kind of game. I got kicked out of bingo. How, how's your new beer, by the way? It just tastes like tequila and lime and salt. No. Oh. I don't 
I've never had a tequila barrel. I don't, it's not like a bourbon barrel. I can't identify that oh. it's a tequila barrel. It just tastes like a lime goza. Interesting. Anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. Cindy. They started. From also from Boulevard. They, oh, they started dating. And uh, in 1974, they got married. Were they like 16? No. I don't remember what year he was born. 23. They were 23. Well, he was 23. And they had two kids. And they were married for a little while, but she filed for divorce in 1980 after an unhappy, rocky marriage in which at one point he chokes her, slams her into a TV, rendering her unconscious and threatening her if she told anyone. So she had every darn right to file for a divorce. Bobby Joe. Such a such a country name, you know. Bobby Joe wanted to join the army. But couldn't. In this point. But, uh, and he he kind of did. He'd, How do you kind of join the army? Well, like Buster? He, he, but, <laughs> he, uh. We need the day from army today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so he wanted to join the army and serve. He went... Oh, by the way, he moves to Florida at some point. <laughs> I don't know when. He goes and he's at the Homestead Air Base in Florida. Never been there. But then he gets into a motorcycle accident just like almost as soon as he gets there. And Do I even try to ride anything on two wheels? I don't know. It severely hurts his skull and goes to the hospital. I don't wear helmets back then either. He had a helmet and it's smashed. They don't make them like he used to. They don't. They didn't make them like they do now. You mean that they don't? No, like twenty, like well, okay. ten, ten years earlier, they probably made them better. Yeah, sure. That's the way it always works. It's so, always better in the past. Right. So he goes to the hospital. He has massive headaches. Homestead Hospital, sure. Yeah, massive. Great. <laughs> it's a good place. So he had massive headaches, but he also had severe rage problems. And while he's in the hospital, he becomes obsessed with... Oxy. No. Heroin. No. Opiates. No. You're not even in the right category. Barbara Streisand. Yes. He's a big Barbara fan. No. He becomes obsessed with sex because he masturbates at, at least five times a day to relieve the pain that he's feeling in his head. While he's in the hospital. Right. Or just in general. Well, that's when he discovers that this helps. So he's masturbating at least five times a day to relieve the pain. Uh, da, da, da. Just because this was not... I didn't say this in the... PSA pro- kids don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Don't do that. Uh, so he masturbates at least five times a day. Burp, burp, burp. Then he's discharged and... <laughs> <laughs> he's discharged multiple times <laughs> and this just isn't enough you know i discharge more yeah it's not enough uh i'm going to say now this is going to take a really bad turn so just be prepared we've already known that he becomes obsessed with sex 1980 to 1983 Bobby Joe becomes known later in life as the classified ad rapist in Miami, Ocala, and Fort Lauderdale. 
what he did was he would look in the newspaper for classified ads for small appliances and he would go and answer them. He'd be like, yes, I want the microwave. When he got there, if the if there was a woman selling the appliance and she was alone, which at this time, I mean, you know, well, it's the 80s. I don't know. There were always people home alone. But if the woman was alone, then he would rape her. He had this, like, kit that he brought. He called it his rape kit, which is... The opposite. Like, come on, man. Uh, so he would threaten the woman with a knife, bind her, and rape her before fleeing the scene. Sometimes he took, like, things from the house. Sometimes he didn't. And from 1980 to 1983, he committed at least 50 rapes. That's a ridiculous amount. You keep going. I just want to look something up real quick. In November 1981, he was charged with raping someone but he was cleared of that charge when it was suggested that it was consensual and they didn't have it evidence to say that it wasn't just like the uh wolf man of london right so like i said he raped people a lot from 80 to 83 this was in 81 when he was charged so obviously he continued doing it because he was like nobody cares um what eurons I want to see what year he was. He's 86. Mm. October 1981, which is a month before what I just said, he lived. Oh. He lived just like his parents. <laughs> they lived. No, I said that about him. Uh, Sorry. So the person who said that. That she was raped and then he's like, no. Yeah, it was Sharon Richard in October 1981. She said it. He was charged. So Sharon Richards. She shared a house with him. She said he raped her in October. November, he was charged with it, but then there wasn't enough evidence. Sorry about that confusing part. July 1983, Bobby Joe met a woman named Emma, and they become a couple, and he gives her all sorts of presents. Stolen things. Which come from rape victims. That's just a little thought for you to think about. And then in November 1983, he was charged with sending obscene letters and photos to a 12-year-old in Tampa and spends two days in jail for that, but that's it. Uh, Emma kind of drops him at that point, though. So. He's just going for the whole the whole smorgasbord. It's smorgasbord. Borg. <laughs> Does he commit arson at some point? No. I mean, he's pretty much doing the exact same thing, which is... Uh, what's the word? Like, not good sexual stuff. Sexual. Deviant. Sexual deviant crimes. Is that the same thing as arson? Oh, people do associate arson with, like, sexual desire, don't they? Fire? Setting fires? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they? I think they do. Okay, so a lot has happened. Let's just recap for a second. Dude's born, right? He lives. He lives. He's got Kleinfelters. He's had four real head injuries. He's been married. He's knocked her unconscious. He's obsessed with sex. He's raped 50 women. He met Emma. She dropped him. He lived again. And things start to escalate from there. So at this point, he realizes that not only does he need more than just like his five times a day masturbation thing. Plus 
rapes. He, plus rapes. Now he needs to escalate. Need to, to kill murder people, right? And then have sex with their corpses. No, thank God. I mean, maybe at some point if he. Yeah. Continued. Okay. I don't know for sure. So I'm just gonna go through the timeline of what happens next in terms of who he has targeted. First off, is 20-year-old Laotian female, Nguyen Long, which has the same last name as him, which is weird. I don't know. I feel like Long is a somewhat common. Yeah. She was employed as an exotic dancer and was missing approximately three days before she was found. Uh, she was found naked and bound by young boys who were wandering around in Hillsborough County, Florida in May 1984. Naked and bound, not bound by young boys. Oh my god. <laughs> young boys found her naked and bound. Sorry. Oh god, no. She had been dead for 48 to 72 hours, so I mean she was missing for three days and could have been dead about that amount of time, so at least there's that, which is some sort of solace, I guess. She had a rope around her neck as well. Her clothing and belongings were not found at all. They never were. She had a large wound on her face, but the cause of her death was strangulation. Her hairs were unable to be analyzed, and the knots were common used on the ropes that were found around her, so they didn't have much to go on for that. The only thing they did have was... Uh, they had some red fibers that were determined to be carpet fibers, likely from the vehicle that she was brought to the site in. Uh, the police kept the red fibers confidential because it can often change the, the killer's MO once they say in the newspaper or whatever, you know, there are red carpet fires from the vehicle. They'll get a new vehicle. Lucifer just has to learn how to not publish everything. Yeah, not be not stupid. Learn. It's not all about a story. I forget what it was, but one of my articles said that there was actually one case, a pretty big case, in which they did say the vehicle fibers, and then it went on for way too long and became this, like, worse than it was, which is really sad and stupid. Like, stupid media. Come on. Fake news. The next victim was Michelle Sims, 22 years old. She was discovered May 27th, 1983. 84? I meant 84. 1984. I was like, what? That's the year prior. 1984. And she worked as a prostitute. She was found naked. Her clothes were near near her body, though. Uh, her hands were bound and there were ligature marks around her neck. Her throat had been slit, and there were multi multiple injuries to the head, and she had only been dead 8 to 10 hours. The police linked her to the previous victim because they were both found naked, they both had ligature marks, and there were also the same red fibers at that second site than there were at the first site. There were also brown, medium-length hairs, like head hairs, not pubic hairs, found on her that they figured probably belonged to the killer, which helped them create a profile. They kind of were able to tell the race and 
could guess that it was, like, male and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they figured it was male anyway because these women, they were, there was sexual assault. And semen. Yes. So, I was thinking about it. There are a few of the victims I'm going to go over where they were found in orange groves. And, like, when I was doing my research, I was, like, I kind of forgot we were in Florida. I was, like, how many freaking orange groves can there be, though? Like, what? And then I was, like, oh, right, we're in Florida. 89. 89 orange groves in Florida? You've heard it here first. Also, like, unrelated. But I feel like when we would, when I would go to visit my grandparents, my parents and my grandparents would, like, point out, like, this shopping plaza used to be, like, orange groves. And this place used to be orange groves. <laughs> so, and yeah. And I, I, I don't, when we were living in Florida, I don't think I... Saw a single orange grove. I don't think I did either. That's called uh, urbanization. Urban sprawl. Yeah. The next victim was Elizabeth Ludenbach. She was 22 years old. She was found June 24th, 1984. So he's like pretty efficient in time. She worked as an assembly line worker and she was last seen on June 8th. But found June 24th. So. Uh, she was found. So they give a. Approximate time of death. They would. But she was found clothed with. Like very very advanced decomposition. She. With her clothes. When they found her. Weighed 25 pounds. Florida. Everything goes gross quicker. 25 pounds for a human body. What is... You, I know you're not going to know. But what is, like, the weight of the average human body? Like, bones. I don't know. You're right, I don't. <laughs> Very good observation. Guess. I don't know. Yeah. Good thing you don't know. Yeah. So they, they didn't... They weren't able to tell. She was just, like, super dead. I mean, <laughs> there's not, like, varying levels of dead, but, yeah. When they found her, they were like, oh, she has clothes on, etc. This has nothing to do with anybody else. So they treated this as its own case, which was very, very unhelpful. And this is why. Because they collected all this evidence, and they found some fibers, and they sent it away for checking, but they sent it to a different FBI agent. And the two didn't talk because they were separate entities. Right. Right. So they don't talk and it has been like proven that having the same individual look at the same fibers is really helpful because they look for patterns and they look for similarities that they know already exist. So they had these red fibers and they weren't even really analyzed at first so much. And the two different agents didn't talk. And so they just didn't think it had anything to do with anything. Bummer. Next, on October 7th, 1984, the police find their first black victim, Chanel Williams. She was 18 years old. She worked as a prostitute, and she was last seen on September 30th, so that's about a week, when she was working with a fellow prostitute. I don't know. I guess sometimes they work in pairs. She was found naked near an entrance to a cattle ranch. All of her clothes were found in the area, but her bra was tied around the gate. And I don't really, 
I like tried to figure out why this would be, but her head was in a further stage of decomposition than the rest of her body. I don't know why that would be. Unless it went there first. I don't know. Was she bludgeoned? There was a puncture wound to the back of her neck, but the cause of death was a gunshot wound to the neck. I would say just because it was stuff was able to get in. Oh, maybe. I don't know. There was a lot of the word maggot in all my research, and I just don't like that. Those are disgusting. So, this. Can you imagine being a forensic entomologist? I had, like, one lecture on forensic entomology in my entomology class, and I was just like... <laughs> That's when you, like, pick up maggots, and you're like, this is very exciting, look at this maggot! And everyone's like... Bleh. Because, and so, this is number... We're on four, right? Two, three, four. Yeah. Cattle ranch. Yeah. Because of her race... And lack of ligature marks, they also thought this was unrelated. So, all the fibers they found, including the red fibers, aren't dealt with the same way, which is stupid. But, you know, whatever, they're doing the best they can. Are they? Yeah. Are they, though? They could be talking to it. They could be like, oh, shit. Like, you got red fibers? I got red fibers. Yeah, chit chatting around the water cooler, shooting the shit. What color fibers did you get this week? Red. What? I'm working this case. I got da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. I know. October 14th, 1984, a week later, Karen Din's friend, Din's friend, age 28, was found uh, naked from the waist down in an orange grove. This is, I didn't mention, but uh, Elizabeth Ludenbach was found in an orange grove. Karen Din's friend was found in an orange grove. She was on a comforter with, uh, and she was also bound up. There were ligature marks found on her throat. She was also struck on the head, but her cause of death was strangulation. Detectives felt that this one strongly matched the previous cases, the one with the nudity and the strangulation, etc. And there were red fibers. <laughs> this is like the... This is like the sequel to Does He Have Dark Hair? Were there red fibers? Yes. There were red fibers that matched the previous cases and the knots, even though they were common, were the same knot types used on the ropes that were used to bind these women. And there were also the same brown hairs, although in addition there were brown pubic hairs. At this point... Carb matches the drapes. I guess. It doesn't always. I, in that case, it does. Yeah. At this point, the police warns the public about, about the crimes, tells people, women in particular, to be safe, but they're still keeping the red fibers secret, which is great. So do you think they were doing that to like, or what's, do you think he was killing until he got recognition? Mm, I don't think it had to do with recognition. Because isn't that what all... Most killers want, all or most killers, they want to be able to, like... No, it's not. Some people... You just knocked a lot of stuff. Oh, no. Our very expensive $15 Walmart sound foam. This came from Amazon. I'm sure the quality is no different. Yeah, okay. 
I it's all over it the, all over the floor now. No, it is not. Nothing is on the floor. There's one piece on the floor. How many pieces are on the floor? One. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> but no, not everything is about recognition. October 30th, 1984, Kimberly Hopps, age 22, was found naked, almost mummified in decomposition. Hopps or Hobbs? Hop. No physical evidence was found at the scene, mostly because of her decay state at that point. But she, you know, she still had some hair and much, much later, her hair was matched to some hairs found in Long's car. November 6th, 1984. This is a lot in one year, in case you haven't realized. Virginia Lee Johnson, aged 18, was... Her her remains were found, and her bones were scattered all around in a large area. Probably, like, he didn't, like, wait until she was bones and scattered. It was probably animals. But anyway, ligature marks were found on the bones, which is, like, ugh. Ugh. I mean, like, broken. Like, fractured. Yeah, oof. And some of her clothes were found in the area. November 24th, 1984. Kim Swan, age 21, was found off of a road in Tampa and had been there less than 24 hours. She was naked except for stockings, like knee-high stockings. Her clothes were found by her body, and there were ligature marks on her neck, wrists, and arms. She... Similar to some of the women targeted, worked as a a nude dancer, so it was a similar profession. There were a few prostitutes and whatnot. And she was last seen November 11th. It's a 13-day difference in case you wanted to follow that. And like I said, she had been dead less than 24 hours. Uh, Carpet fibers were there. Hairs were there. You know, the whole nine yards. Around this time, when they found Kim Swan, detectives in the area were also working a rape and abduction case of 17-year-old Lisa McVeigh, who was taken from a donut shop in Tampa. She was taken to an apartment and sexually assaulted for 26 hours before her uh, attacker released her. He said he didn't, she said that he didn't want to hurt her and said that multiple times and was becoming almost comfortable with her, and she knew that she had to be kind to him and do whatever he wanted her to do in order to survive, and eventually he let her go. So. There's that. There's that. So, Lisa McVeigh, like I said, knew, was a smart girl, knew she had to just survive. So she did everything she could to survive, and thought about the future and getting him captured if she did survive. So whenever she could, she tried to get little pieces of information. She, when she got to the apartment that he brought her to, she did get looks of, looks at him all the time because they were just in this apartment and he was like, oh, she doesn't know where she is. So he took her like blindfold off or whatnot. She said he was a white male in his 30s. He had a deep voice, brown hair, thin eyebrows, short mustache, was slightly overweight and somewhat feminine. The femininity goes and ties back again to the Kleinfelder syndrome. She 
took note of vehicle details when she could through her blindfold. She was able to, when he went out to get any money from an ATM, she peeked out of her blindfold and saw a red carpet. She saw the word Magnum on the dashboard, which is a car type, I hear. I don't know. And when they stopped to get money at this ATM, she took note of what time it was so that later they can go and check. When they got to the apartment, well, before they get to the apartment, actually, so she's still in the car, they're en route to the apartment. At this point, she said she was in her menstrual cycle and she reconfigured things in order to make sure that she left blood on the seat of the car. This girl's brilliant. Brilliant. Say sexy. Don't get murdered. She also read a book about this, and I really want to read it. But, like, so she made sure to get menstrual blood on the seat and fingerprints wherever she could. They get to the apartment. She tries, she leaves as many fingerprints as she possibly can also takes a barrette out of her hair and drops it underneath the bed so that when they come and check the, ha- the apartment of this guy, they'll be like, there's supposed to be in a barrette, and there's a barrette. Boom. Nailed it. This girl, 17, and she's like, I got this. I love this girl. So, like I said, he releases her, which is like his undoing. Obviously, because she's brilliant. So when she goes to the police and talks about what's happened, she tells the name of the car. And they're able to narrow it down to people in the area that uh, own Magnums. She also says at 3 a.m. they were at an ATM. And they narrow it down further by subpoenaing... Subpoenaing? Subpoena. Subpoenaing records for ATMs at that time. And then narrow it down from the owners of those Magnum cars. And then they go to his house and find him. And they're like, hey, we're looking for a suspect in a robbery. And he's like, okay. And doesn't think that they're on to him. So they're like, can we like get your picture just so we can make sure that, you know, it doesn't match up. And he's like, of course. So they take his picture and they show her. And she's like, yeah, that's him. So, Lisa, man. So, he gets arrested, and they go back to his apartment. They find the barrette, because she's genius. They also find photos of nude women, including a lot of photos of him assaulting the women that he's raped throughout the years. And lots and lots of women's clothing. When they bring him in, they ask him about his involvement with the disappearance and sexual assault of Lisa McFay, and he admits to it. He says that it was consensual, but then nobody believes that, and he's like, but that's it. And they're like, okay, well, we have this whole long list of murder victims that we also think you're involved with, involved with. and he's like, no. Then they pull their trump card, and they're like... Yeah, but we have your hair and semen and car fibers and mm-hmm. blood. And he was like, okay. He admits. Yeah, so then he confesses to 10 murders. 
I only told you about eight. That's because there's no information about two other victims except their names and their ages. I don't know why. One is Artis Wick, age 20, and Vicky Elliott, age 21. I don't really know why that is, but I didn't see it anywhere. Anyway, he said that he, when he, after he confesses to everything, he said he knew it would all be over when he let Lisa go, but, quote, I just didn't care anymore and I wanted to stop. I was sick inside. When the FBI kind of like was going over his case, they labeled him as a power assertive rapist, meaning he was just doing it to his, to affirm his manhood to himself. And that was like the main purpose of it. And they also said that he was like the perfect storm for violence, like four head traumas and this disorder and a weird relationship with his mom is like, that was it. It was like destiny, almost. They determined he was able to stri- stand trial competently. He, there was no insanity or anything like that. And was standing trial for all of his crimes. And here's what he got. One five... I don't know what everything is for. I There was a huge chart. A huge chart where I could have broken it all down. But here's in total what he got. So don't hate me for not piecing it all out. One five-year sentence, four 99-year sentences, 28 life sentences, and one death sentence. That's for all the the rapes, the murders, the blah, 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 blah. Do you have something to say? Okay. I'm just trying to think. I like the, the, what you say, 20? 28 life sentences. He didn't have that many victims, so. (laughs) There were a lot of different reasons why he should be in jail. So you get the chair or the injection? Lethal injection. I don't remember what year Florida stopped doing the chair. April 23rd, 2019. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, whatever, signs his death warrant, the first one since he's been elected. May 23rd, 2019. Like a week ago. Like yesterday. A week ago. He eats his final meal of roast beef, bacon, fries, and soda at 9.30 a.m. 6.55 p.m. May 23rd, 2019. Who's eating roast beef and fries at 9 a.m.? 6.55 p.m. May 23rd, 2019. Yesterday. Pronounced dead. Lethal injection. I would always eat fries. Doesn't matter what time. They serve fries at brunch. Brunch is at 9.30 in the morning. Alex. I chose something that happened yesterday. Good thing you completed the story yesterday. Not like three days before. I know. Yesterday. How's that? Yesterday. Yesterday. Wow. 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 50 people he raped, 10 people he killed. That's disgusting. I hate him. Kill him. Someone got to it. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Good old Ron, you know? Ooh, 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 ooh. Well, I have two. Okay. So, you're a nerd, right? You're a nerd. I'm a nerd. You're a nerd. You're a nerd. 
you're a nerd, I'm a nerd. Right. So we're like losers, nerdy. We get it. But we have decent socialization skills. I was watching these two people play ping pong one day. I was like hanging out at a an area with a ping pong table. PPE is a cool kid's call. PPE? PP. I don't think that's what they call it, but maybe. You want to go with PP? Yeah. Oh my God, you're so weird. You haven't, you've had one drink and you're like, you must be tired. I had two drinks. Yeah, okay. Anyway, so I was watching these two guys play ping pong together. PP. Yeah, okay. And I got this vibe that they were like, maybe not great at socializing. And then I heard them talk about girls. And then I knew. The TV show? Is that a TV show? Mm-hmm. No. I don't even know what that is. Uh, bu- bu- so, they're talking about getting into relationships. Here's how their conversation goes. Here's how relationships should be. People, in theory, should start at a base level of equivalent attraction and attractiveness. Then, they should move up in attraction symmetrically. No attraction should be greater than the other. Do you know what just happened there? They tried to make a mathematical equation for dating a woman. Or a man, I guess, but still. So I'm not really sure what happened. There's a lot of math words thrown out there. Attraction and attractiveness. Do you want me to do it again? I'm just trying to just explain. Here's how relationships should be. Mm-hmm. You got it so far? Sure. With me? Yep, there's only other three words so far. No, there were more than three. People, in theory, should start at a base level of attraction. Mm-hmm. E- each other, liking each other. And equivalent attractiveness. How does that work with two people, though? How does attraction work or attractiveness work with two people? The same number of attractive and the same number of attraction. So a five has to date a five. Yeah. And they're both five attracted to each other, let's say. Right? Mm-hmm. Then they should theoretically move up in attraction symmetrically. So you know how people say I fall in love with you more every day? They should fall in love more but the same amount every day. So they should get more attracted as time goes on. Got it? Same slope. Sure. In my brain, that graph doesn't work at all. I like you two more tomorrow. You like me two more tomorrow. We have the same slope. What just happened? I don't know. Something happened. Anyway. I'm just thinking in a graph. We got X, Y, axis. It has to be a three-dimensional graph. That's the only way this works in my brain. Five, male attractiveness, female attractiveness. Babe, the attractiveness isn't changing. It's the attraction. So a five and a five start together. So then they're just the x-axis is a five. No, they just are fives. So five starts together and they should have the same slope. So my point is though, how is there a slope if the number, one of the axes numbers doesn't change oh at all? Oh my gosh. How is there a slope if the number doesn't change at all? You like me two more tomorrow. I like you two more tomorrow. But then one of the numbers isn't changing. The attractiveness isn't changing. Right. That's my point. I said that like 45 seconds that's ago. Just, that's just a lie. Son of a son. 
But if one person, it needs to be a one-to-one slope. It doesn't work in the graph. Yeah, because if you liked me two more and I liked you one more, then our slope would be two over one, not one over one if you liked me two and I liked you two. Okay, so this is a graph for attractiveness. You're a five. No. There's just a graph for fives. There's a graph for sixes. There's a graph for sevens. Yeah, and you have to... This was like a diamond, and everyone at home is like, Alex, it's hilarious because they're making a graph, and it's obvious what it means. <laughs> You're killing me. This is my goal. That was one of my best ones, and you butchered it. How did I butcher it? I made, I made content. Isn't that what you want? This was the pinnacle. <laughs> So by your logic, then it's all downhill from here. I don't know. Is the hill a slope? Is there like well, five axes? A pinnacle means it's the top. It's not getting any higher. I know what a pinnacle is. Thank you for listening to episode twelve. Francis is now going to uh, down a bunch of uh, ibuprofen to compensate for my idiocy. <laughs> if you'd like to uh, follow us, we uh, have a Twitter and Instagram at Sad Tales Podcast. You can also email us at sidetellspodcast at gmail.com with uh, story suggestions. Cat videos, love, hugs, smiles. More uh, things you've overheard. Yeah, or that. Um, we also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash sidetellspodcast. There are four different tiers you can join, ranging from 2 to 25 if you're really bold. And we appreciate any support. Please let your friends, family, anybody who's interested in the macabre know about our podcast. Listen, review, like us, love us. Subscribe. Subscribe. And most importantly, tell a friend. Tell multiple friends. Yeah. And other than that, hopefully we'll be back next Thursday so I don't have to wait a week and a day to do this wonderful thing again. Also, if you're still listening, how about we do... For lucky number 13, whatever got us into true crime, you'll figure it out. Okay, we'll see you then. Bye.